Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We've been so energized through these days these six days of faith, we've been receiving a spiritual strength and a spiritual empowerment. And some of it, you won't even realize the fullness of it until you begin walking it out. And that, that strength and that wisdom and that, that adjustments that we've been receiving, when they begin to fall into place and put you at the right place at the right time and put the words in your mouth to speak to that situation, then you'll be saying, praise God for those six days of faith. Amen. And I had in my heart to take us back a year and just uh, share with you something that the Holy Spirit said in our last six days of faith. And this uh, was on a day that Pastor and I were here together because the Holy Spirit moved in a way, and um, this is the interpretation of what the Lord said in tongues on Thursday, July the 15th of 2021. And he said, your faith will hold, your faith will stand, your faith will weather any storm that comes. As you open your mouth and declare the word, your faith will stand and hold. Many will say, what happened here? How did that change? How did that end? You will stand back and know it was words of faith, words of the Spirit, and words of victory that caused things to change. So there is no dancing around and trying to figure it out. There is no dancing around and trying to figure out what is going to happen Stand strong with your head held high and speak words of faith. Let the enemy know and let the world know that what you are saying is what you believe and what you believe is what you will see. Because I am looking for a people, says the Lord, who will stand and open their mouths fearlessly and boldly say, this is what the word declares, so that is what I am. That is what I have, that is what I can become, and that is what I will possess. Even as I told Moses concerning the children of Israel, as they complained and griped in the wilderness, they said over and over again, we are going to die in this wilderness. I told Moses, the prophet of God, you tell them as they have spoken in my ear, that is how it is going to be. Never underestimate, says the Lord, that you will have what you say. And I have referred back to this. I transcribed it out and put it in my journal so that I could refer back to it and meditate on it. And every time I would come back to it, I would hear the Spirit of the Lord ask me, what have you spoken in my ear? Not in a negative way, not in a condescending way, but in an encouraging way. Because I've been speaking good things in the ear of the Lord. I've been, I've been talking to the Lord about good things. I've been making declarations of increase and declarations of abundance. I've been talking about how the blessing is governing my life. I've been talking about how he, he increases me more and more. I've been talking about how he causes Philip and Michelle Steele to ride upon the high places of the earth, and we eat the increase of the fields. Amen? I've been talking about how faith builders approves that which is excellent. I've been talking about how, how uh, that great is the peace of my children, and my children are taught of the Lord. Those are the things that I've been speaking in his ear and in the same way that their negative words directed the course of their outcome, our words of faith, that's what he said, I'm looking for someone who will stand fearlessly and speak words of faith because those words of faith are the words that he's going to work with. Amen? 
So I had it in my heart to uh, just remind us that that was how the Holy Spirit directed us in last year and to uh, put us in that same mindset of declaring things to the Lord that will um, direct the outcome that we're desiring of him, that we're in agreement with what he says so that we can speak those words of agreement and that he can move in that situation. So if you'll turn with me tonight to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 50, and um, we will read verse 4. And when I read this verse, I recognize that this is a verse that is uh, a messianic verse. It is referring to Jesus, and we are in him. We are in Jesus. Glory to God. We're in Christ. But he says here in verse 4, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak. Say that with me. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak. Hallelujah. It goes on to say, to speak a word in season to him that is weary, he wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. Hallelujah. He's given me the tongue of the learned so that I will know how to speak. The Amplified Bible says, The Lord God has given me, his servant, the tongue of disciples. The tongue of disciples as one who is taught. So the tongue of the learned is the tongue of one who is taught, the one who is a disciple. The Message Bible says, a well-taught tongue. That's the kind of tongue I want right there. That's my tongue. I want my tongue to be a well-taught tongue. I don't want to have an unlearned tongue. I don't want to have an undisciplined tongue. I want a well-taught tongue. Hallelujah. The Darby translation says the tongue of the instructed And the NIV is similar to that. It says a well-instructed tongue. So it uses that word, instructed, the tongue of the instructed. Can we be instructed? Are we teachable? Are we open? Are we lifelong learners? Amen. Especially where spiritual things are concerned. Are we open? Can we learn more that will affect the way that our tongue operates? And then the Uh, New American, uh, N-A-B-R-E, I'll just go there, a well-trained tongue, a (coughs) well-trained tongue. I was singing up here with all my heart, y'all, so I've got a tickle right there in my throat. A well-trained tongue, and the Good News translation says, the sovereign Lord has taught me what to say. I like that one. The sovereign Lord has taught me what to say. Lord, teach me. Because I came into this kingdom of God operation and the kingdom of God systems, and I I had to be trained from the floor up. I didn't know anything about it. So a well-trained tongue, that he has taught me what to say. And the New American Standard says, the tongue of disciples. The Lord has given me the tongue of disciples, which is similar to the Amplified, but I wanted to end on that because I want to have in our mind that word disciplined. It's a beautiful word. Don't shrink back at the thought of discipline. It's not chastisement. It's it's training. It's instruction. A discipline. A discipline is something that we can learn that will help our lives stay on track. A discipline is something that will help us achieve our goals. For anybody who is trying to move into, for instance, a financial goal, it takes discipline in the spending to reach that financial goal. If you're working on a weight loss goal, it takes discipline in the everyday eating. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not something that's just going to happen with one day. It takes discipline with everything that we're putting in our mouth, everything that we're doing activity-wise. It's a discipline. And there are spiritual disciplines, and he says the tongue is in need of spiritual discipline. 
The tongue is in need of this every day in, in, in training and with boundaries and with things that I'm not going to say set in place to protect me against the open doors that wrong words can cause that protects me against the, the wrong decisions and the wrong directions that my words can generate. Yes. And so when we are looking at the word discipline where our tongue is concerned, we recognize that there is a part that we play in the operation of the word system that God has entrusted to us. If you look in Genesis, we see... There's the authority system, the word system, and the seed system. All of them were set in place in Genesis and still operate for us today. The word system, the authority system, and the seed system. And they all work together. They all work together. And that's why pastor has been weaving between, between the power of your words and the operation of faith. In every one of his messages, he continually, the Holy Spirit has been taking us back over to see that our words are expressions of our authority. They are the implementation of our authority. Hallelujah. So it's not just about naming it and claiming it. It's not just about speaking and, and uh, uh, words randomly and receiving supernatural things. It's going to be a discipline for it to work. It's not something that we're just going to be loosey-goosey with and see the effects of God operating like they operated for Jesus. Amen? Our goal, our objective is to follow his footsteps. The footsteps of the master. And Jesus was well disciplined in his mouth. He is the one this verse is talking about. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. Jesus never ever said anything he didn't mean. He never had to say, "Mm, I didn't mean to say that. He became so disciplined in his words that he was specific and on target with the words that came out of his mouth. Hallelujah. And so we want to follow that discipline and that instruction because words are the most powerful things in the universe. They are containers that transport, they transport the power of God, the creative power of God, the ability of God into a situation. So this may seem elementary, but it's fundamental. So we can't look at it and say, I already know that. Just because I already know that, I can still gain. You know what the mark of spiritual maturity is? That I can go to a verse that I've gone to thousands of times before and look at it like it's fresh to me. Because it never gets stale. Amen? So let's go back to Genesis and look at it like it's fresh to us. Because there is revelation the Holy Spirit can show and, and impart to us as we recognize how our Father operates and how our Lord operates. So Genesis chapter 1 is a record of the words that God used to release his faith, to release his creative ability. God had a desire, and he released that desire with words. God had what he wanted. We could say the will of God. He wanted it, and how he released what he wanted was through words, and those words transported his will, and God used words of faith. So when God spoke these words, there was creative power. Faith is substance. So when God spoke these words, God's faith was in his words, and there was substance in these words. Every word of God is full of power. God doesn't own an empty word. He's never spoken an empty word. Every word of God is full of power. And so when it says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now I want you just to underline, and God said. Underline it in verse 3, and then go down to verse 5 and circle, God called. And then go down to verse 6 and underline, and God said. And then go down to verse 8 and circle, God called. And then in verse 9, underline, God said. 
And in verse 10, circle, God called. Verse 11, God said. Verse 12, uh, I'm sorry, verse 14, God said. Verse 20, God said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 22, God blessed them saying. So we're going to keep that one in there because it said. He's saying, and that's the blessing. And then verse 24, and God said. And verse 26, and God said. And verse 28, and God blessed them and said. And verse 29, and God said. Now I know that is the creation and then it's the blessing, but the blessing is a part of our lives. And so we want to recognize how God created everything that exists and how God administered the blessing to us. So the very first thing God did with words was not communicate. So the emphasis, the law of first mention in the, in the study of the Bible means the first time something is mentioned sets the way that we approach that concept. The first mention of words of speaking in the Bible is not communication. Communication, I believe, is third down here on the list. The first one is to create. The second is to administer or distribute and then the third one is communicate he didn't start communicating until third down on that list so when when we are being imitators of god we are instructed and and authorized to imitate god so words the first use of words in our life or we could say the primary the primary use of words in our life should be in the same way that our Father has used words, and it should be to create. That we we take the will of God and we create it by putting His words in our mouth. We're not just using our words to go out and call things that God doesn't want because you can't get faith to put in those words without the will. See, there's a safety mechanism. I said it's the most powerful. There's a safety mechanism. You can't use faith-filled words to do something that's not in the will of God because you've got to have the will to produce the faith to put in the words. Did I say it right? Did I say what I said? Okay, I'm pretty close, right? If you don't have God's word on it, you're not going to produce faith. And so you can talk till you're blue in the face and not move the mountain if there's no faith in the word. And then you're only going to get faith in the word if you've got God's word to produce the faith that's coming out of your mouth. So do you see the safety mechanism that God has placed on this powerful tool, this powerful weapon? It's not going to work without his will to operate it. You can't use faith to get my husband. You can't use faith to get Tanya's husband. Why? Because there's no promise that thus saith the Lord, you can have somebody else's husband. Now, you can use your faith for a husband. Do you see that? You can't use faith for a, a, uh, to win the lottery. There's no promise that you'll win the lottery, but you can use your faith that you will increase more and more because that's in the Word. You can use your faith that God will cause you to have all sufficiency in all things and that you will abound to every good work until you're enriched to all bountifulness, which causes through you a thanksgiving to God because that's in the Word. And you can take the Word, you can put it in your heart, in your mouth, and you can release it, and faith will be in those words, and they will work for you. Amen? So God said and God called. Those were the first two things that God did. God said which is to create, and then the calling is a setting it in order. It's a, an, a, a, a specific design of what that item needs to do. God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters. Divide the waters from the waters. He was giving specific instructions for how it's going to work. Amen? Amen? So with that record... We understand that everything that exists, let's go to John 1, and let's remind ourselves from John 1 about Jesus before he came into this world with an earth body, with a human body, 
he existed before the body was formed for him. We know when he spoke to the Father in the book of Hebrews and said, a body you have prepared for me, he was fully in existence and yet he was not in a human body. What form was Jesus in? According to John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus has always existed, yet not always had a human form before he took on flesh and blood. When the Word made flesh, verse 14, before that, he existed in the form of the Word of God. Hallelujah. And it says in verse 3, all things were made by the word, by him, the word. All things were made by him, the word. All things. If you can name a thing, the origin, the original existence of all things is the word. Before anything existed, the word existed, and then the word was the tool or the vehicle or the method of distribution for God's creative power to bring into existence the will and the desire of God. It says, without him the word, without him was not anything made that was made. And in him the word was life. Life is in the word, and all that is created originated from the word. So God created all things that exist with words. He used his faith and put, them, put it into words and distributed or directed with those words his power to the situation. Colossians 1 and we'll read 16 and 17. I'm laying a groundwork. I need you to, to see uh, step by step. Colossians 1, 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Visible and invisible. Hallelujah whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things and by him all things consist. We know from John 1 that we are speaking of Jesus and we are speaking of the word. He is before all things. That's why you can't say Jesus is Lord, but you won't obey his word. You cannot separate him from his word. You can't say, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? In other words, you want to say that I'm Lord, but my word is not governing your life. That doesn't work, does it? So the word and Jesus are, the, are, are both interchangeable words. Jesus do you remember the description we have of him on his return on the white horse? Uh, there's an inscription on his, his vesture. What does it say? The word of God. Yeah. He is the word of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. So when we're speaking the word of God, Jesus is involved in what we're saying. Amen. When we speak the word... We're speaking the words of life. We're speaking the power of God, Jesus, through whom all things were created and by, by whom all things were made. Hallelujah. So that's why we've got to have some training. That's why we need to be discipled in our tongue. That's why we need to be taught a well-taught tongue. A well-taught tongue. Why? Because I am verbalizing Jesus. <laughs> when I speak, I'm not just saying random, empty words. I'm not just saying what I heard on a newscast. I'm not saying what they reported on the sports center. I'm not saying what, what I read on Facebook or whatever. When I speak the word of God, I'm speaking the word Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want a well-taught tongue. I want to have a well-taught tongue. So 
Hebrews 1, just back up a little bit here to Hebrews 1, or go forward if you were still in Colossians, I had moved my page, so Hebrews 1, and let's look at verse 3, this is speaking of Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory, God's glory, Jesus is the brightness of God's glory, and the express image of his person. The word person is the same word we use in Hebrews 11, verse 1, when we say faith is the substance. The word person is substance, and it's the exact same word used from Hebrews 11:1. 1. So Jesus is the express image of God's substance, his person. So the word is the express or the exact or the precise image of the substance of God, the person of God. If you, you want to know who God is, here he is, know him. If you want to understand the ways of God, they're here in his word. If you want to understand the character of God, it is here described for us in the word of God because the word is the express image of his substance, his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. The word uphold means sustaining. This is the Weiss translation. Sustaining, guiding, and propelling all things. Sustaining, guiding, and propelling. How many of you need some things to move forward a little bit? That We know how to propel it now, don't we? We know the power supply that's going to move that situation forward. The word will propel it. And the word, how many of you need some things upheld? You need some things sustained. The word sustains. It upholds, it guides, it propels. The Amplified says, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. Do you notice it didn't say power of his word, but it says word of power. If I were to say, I can lift up this table with the power of my arms. If I were to say, I can uh, 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 kick a ball with the power in my leg. I'm describing two different powers. I have a different level of power in my biceps, and I'm not impressive, y'all. I'll just tell y'all, I haven't been to the gym in a long time, and nothing going on that's going to impress anybody with my biceps. But... I am speaking of two different powers and abilities. It's the same type of power, but different displays of power and different effects of the power and different operations. But God didn't say the power of his word. He said the word of his power. Because God has chosen to put his power in words. We just saw it in Genesis, the containers for God's power. Where did he put it? In his word. So there's healing power in 1 Peter 2, 24. If I need some healing power, he has put it in a container for me. I can go to that container and I can pop the top on that container and I can drink a 1 Peter 2, 24. I can eat a 1 Peter 2, 24. I can receive a 1 Peter 2, 24 by putting it in my heart and in my mouth which I would actually want to follow Romans chapter 10, put it in my mouth first and then in my heart because that's how I get it. That's one of the best ways to get it in your heart is use your tongue to write it upon the table of your heart. The tongue is the pen of the ready writer and Proverbs says that my heart has a tablet. Amen? So with my mouth, Romans 10 says, the word of faith is nigh me even in my mouth first. Why? Because that's how I get it in the heart. So I can go to 1 Peter 2.24, I can put it in my mouth. That's how I take it, with the hand of the tongue, right? Death and life are in the power, the hand. It's the Hebrew word hand. Death and life are in the hand of the tongue. 
So I can't take 1 Peter 2.24 with this. I can pick the pages up, but I can't pull the power in 1 Peter 2.24 off the page with these fingers, but I can with this hand. This hand can take, take it, take 1 Peter 2.24. I take 1 Peter 2.24. It belongs to me. 1 Peter 2.24 is mine. I believe that by his stripes I was healed. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53.5 is mine. Surely he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement necessary to obtain my peace was upon him. And by his stripes I am healed. Now with my mouth I've taken it and I've just drank and placed it into my heart. I've, I've ingested it spiritually and now it's in my heart. And if I will meditate on it like Joshua 1 tells me, if I'll meditate, and meditate is the same word they talk about the cow chewing the cud. And I can regurgitate it. I can regurgitate Isaiah 53 and pull it up back into my mouth, out of my spirit, back into my mouth and say, surely he has. Now, I'm not saying this for other people to hear me. I'm not trying to tell you surely he has. I'm just chewing it. And when I chew on it, now I'm going to get some nutrition I didn't get in the first chew. That's the reason a cow chews cud, swallows it, regurgitates it over and over because there's more nutrition than they can get out of it in one chew. And there's more spiritual nutrition in Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 than we can get out of one chewing. Amen. Amen. So we need to become well taught in our tongue. Hallelujah. So he placed his power in his words. That's God's design. The word of his power. The word of his power. And that makes the word available to whosoever will believe it. If we'll, and there's different ways to unlock or activate or pop the top on that container. I can do it like I just described to you with my mouth, putting it in my heart. Or I could act on it. Being a doer of the word is the aim that we, the objective that we need. Right? We want to have the faith that motivates us for what? The doing. Being a doer of the word is another way. So when, when, when the spirit of the Lord said, lift up voices of joy, and throughout the congregation, people just began to lift up voices of joy, you were acting on it. Amen. When you're in a situation, sometimes I found myself in a situation where I could tell spiritually things weren't moving. Spiritually, it was at a standstill. It was like I've had this tug of war going on, the enemy pushing against me. I'm pushing against him, and we're at a standstill. And so uh, what do I want to do? I start looking for a word to act on. What can I do? Lord, what should I be acting on right now? And it might be rejoicing. Hallelujah. That's, that's a go-to. That's a go-to doing of the word, right? Because when I rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. It might be that God wants me to uh, bless somebody who's cursed me. Mm. Hey, let me get my checkbook out. <laughs> I'm going to send somebody a blessing right now, right? I want to I wanna be a doer of the word. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh. So, so this, this container of God's power is available and it is operative in our mouth and in our heart, the word of God. He says he holds everything. God's word translation of Hebrews 1.3 says he holds everything together through his powerful words. And he's still doing that. If, if we want our lives to stay streamlined in the will of God, that's how we do it. He holds everything together by his powerful or through his powerful words. The more we are framing our worlds by the word of God. Come on, faith builders. <laughs> the more we are framing our worlds by the word of God, the more he is able to uphold and sustain and keep things together. That's how marriage is designed to work. Marriage outside of the word is a hard road to hoe. Amen. It's a hard road to hoe. 
marriage outside the word, but you get the word in your marriage and heaven on earth. The Lord, why? Because when the word's working in the wife and the word's working in the husband, what is it that we can't see eye to eye on, right? We don't even have to agree with everything or every opinion or everything as long as we can walk in love and have the fruit of the Spirit in manifestation. Why? Because the word holds things together. The word is what's holding things together. So, Every aspect of our life, our finances need the word upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling. I remember praying and saying, Lord, I want my finances to look like you run them. I, I, want, I want it to look like you're doing my books. <laughs> Why? Because that's what wisdom, wisdom is God running our finances is that we're going to him. He's given us wisdom. And somebody said, how'd you do that? It was the Lord. It was the Lord. Amen? So the word, let's look at the verse that I just quoted because we are not just randomly speaking them. We want to chew on them. Hebrews 11.3. Let's look at it. This is Faith Builder's vision right here. This is what the, the Lord gave our pastor to establish our churches upon Hebrews 11:3 through faith we understand that the worlds were framed 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 is an important word framed means to complete thoroughly to complete thoroughly to arrange to put in order So not just created, but framed. Not just birthed, but details, specifics, things that hold. Light is still moving at the same speed it started from the moment God said, light be. It's never slowed down. It's never hesitated. It's never hiccuped. It hasn't got tired and said, sent God a memo and said, can I... Can I slow down a little bit here? Light is still being with the same obedience that it began with in the beginning. The, the rotation of the orbits of the earth, all of the molecules that are holding the chair together that you're sitting on tonight, that are holding together the pieces of wood that have framed this building out, the, the molecules holding together the cement of the foundation of this This building, all of those things are because of the Word. The Word is upholding it. The Word is sustaining it, and it's because God framed it. God gave specific instructions. He arranged it. He set it in order. The Amplified says, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the Word of God. Equipped for their intended purpose. That's why there needs to be an application of the word for things in our life. Because let's say, for instance, finances. Finances that, that are not operating in the kingdom system aren't under the blessing. That's why we bring our finances into, uh, into line with the operation of the kingdom we, 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 being a doer of the word, honor God in our finances in that way by acting on the word of God. When he said, bring me the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith. When I'm acting on that, honoring God, following his instruction, that enables his blessing. He said, Prove me now herewith if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out the blessing. So the blessing is activated by the doing. We are in the blessing of Abraham in Christ, but my finances just came into my hands from wherever. Y'all remember the day we used to get our fi- we, we used to go down and get our checks cashed at the bank and they they that we handed them the paper check and they handed us cash? You where, who had that 20 last night? They just put a $20 bill in your hand. Who had that 20 last night? Was it a prostitute? 
that was snorting cocaine with that $20 bill? Did somebody buy porn with that $20 bill? But now it's in your hands. What sanctified that 20 now that it's come to you? I pulled the 10th off the top and honored God. Now the 90 in my possession is sanctified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now that is the devourer cannot operate in the 90%. Why? Because I've been a doer of the word. I've acted on the word. Hallelujah. And I speak words in line with the word of God over my finances. That's just an example. Our, word, our, our areas of our life need to be equipped for their intended purpose. How do we do that? By speaking the word to it. By speaking the word to it. With the word of God, we've seen that it is the tool that God has used to create all things that exist we see it is through the word that God has set in order and given specific design of how things should function. Hallelujah. And then the third reason that the word needs to be approached with a seriousness is because it's a weapon. It's a weapon. And when you're dealing with a weapon, you, you approach that weapon recognizing the, the ability that it has. When you were training for the Marines, for instance, Pastor Ron, you had to learn that that weapon, what it could do, and it produced in you a respect for that weapon. So you're not going to take that weapon and point it at your buddy and, and be joking and say, ha, ha, ha. Why? Because that's, that's, not, that's not a respectful way to treat the power that's available in that weapon. You wouldn't use it in a way that was, that was loose. You wouldn't, you wouldn't use it to prop the door open. Right? right? You're not going to take that, that rifle and prop the door open with it. Not going to dig a hole with the rifle, no. Why? Because it's a weapon. And so the Word of God is a weapon. Can we look at Ephesians 6? I know you know it, but look at it. Feed on it. Ephesians 6 and verse 17. Take the helmet of God and you take it. Take, take, that's an instruction, right? Take, take the helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So it is a weapon that must be taken. It must be picked up by the individual and, and you've got to take it. Hallelujah. Take the Word, the, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Now, at the same time, we would compare this with Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. For the Word of God is quick, and the word quick means alive, a living, active power, it is, it is alive, it is full of power. The, the Strong's Concordance says full of power to achieve results. The Word of God is full of power to achieve results. It is quick and powerful and sharper than any. Well, hey, I just got, I, I just, I have just been handed the most powerful weapon on the battlefield. It is sharper than any. No matter what the enemy brings against me, my sword is sharper. It is sharper than any. No matter what other people devise against me with their words, my sword is sharper. It is sharper than any. The word of God, the sword of the spirit is sharper than any. Hallelujah. So, we know that this word as a weapon is the tool, the weapon that Jesus used against the enemy as our example. So in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus stood against the enemy's temptation and overcame him with Deuteronomy, every response of Jesus 
to Satan's temptation came from Deuteronomy. And I've got Colossians, and I've got Romans, and I've got First and Second Corinthians and Ephesians. And Jesus whipped the devil with Deuteronomy. But I want you to turn to Matthew, and I want you to see. We're going to just, just look briefly. Matthew 4, 1, Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Who led him there? The Spirit. So the, the Spirit didn't leave him there and then abandon him. The Holy Spirit is still with him in the temptation. And then it says, uh, verse 2, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. Verse 3, and when the tempter came to him, he said, he, he pulls his sword on Jesus. He said, words are weapons. Our, the word of God is a tool and it is also a weapon. Satan he uses a weapon, It's not nearly as sharp as my sword, but he has a sword and he pulls his sword on Jesus and he said, but verse four, but Jesus answered and said, so Satan said, if, the, if you be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread, but Jesus answered and said, it is written, and then he speaks Deuteronomy 8, 3. And then verse 5, the devil takes uh, uh, Jesus up into the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, it's like a sword fight. He said to him, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down. Now he's going to quote a scripture. It is written. He will give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they will bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So here's Satan trying to take a verse out of context and use it just because it's a verse and say, Yeah, go ahead and throw yourself down. But Jesus, again, Deuteronomy 6.16, Swipe the enemy you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, all these things will I give you if you will fall down and uh, worship me. And Jesus said, then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Deuteronomy uh, 6.13, You shall worship the Lord your God. I believe that's in 10.20 as well. My center column reference has it in both of those. It says, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So here the enemy said, and then Jesus spoke the word of God. But here's, here's your key. Then the devil leaves him. Then the devil, you know, I didn't see that when, when Eve was tempted. I didn't see that. I saw that Satan said, and Eve said, and Satan said, and Eve said, and Satan said, and Eve said, but Satan didn't leave. He was not uncomfortable. He was not feeling threatened. He was, he was in that conversation not intimidated at all. By her responses. But Jesus in every response made him, like pastor, he made him eat it. <laughs> he, he resisted him with the spoken word and the enemy left. It says he left. Then the devil leaves him. In another uh, gospel, it says he left him until he, he found another time to come back and, and to tempt him. So the enemy, the enemy will leave if we'll just keep speaking the word. He will. The Bible says if you resist him, he will flee. He will flee. And how do we resist? The same way Jesus did with the spoken word. We're going to have to put the word in our heart and bring it out of our mouth to resist the enemy. It is a sword 
of the Spirit, and it is used in the mouth. So because we have the most powerful weapon and the most powerful tool that our Father has, and He has entrusted it to us, we are now in the family business, so we want to have the well-taught tongue. We want to be disciplined in the mouth. And Exodus chapter 4, I said all of that to get you here. Now I'm going to wrap it up because I'm not going to keep you long. I want you to come back tomorrow. Because I couldn't fit it all into one night, I've got part two. Exodus 4, pastor's been on a, a road of revelation. So just, just go down as far that, down that road as you can go. And I don't know about you, but I've heard some things by the Spirit that have challenged me in a good way. Utterances that our pastor has spoken this week have been, have been utterances that are compelling me to, to, to take a position with words of faith and reach and to move some things forward in my life. Hallelujah. In this ministry. Exodus 4. Let's begin in verse 10. Moses, we're talking about a well-disciplined, well-taught tongue. We want the disciplined. Moses said, said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since you have spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord. Now here, here, this is correction. God's saying, I'm calling you to go be my mouthpiece. I'm calling you to go speak for me. And Moses is telling God why God's wrong. I am not able. I can't do. I'm not qualified. I'm, I'm not eloquent. And he said, I have made your mouth. Now verse 12 is what I want you to see. Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. I will be with your mouth. What does that mean? I will be with your mouth. You know, when Moses was finished and Joshua was taking his place, God said, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. How was he with Moses? He was with his mouth. Joshua knew that. And Joshua found himself in that first battle and realized if the sun goes down, we are at a disadvantage. We do not know this, this terrain. We do not know this territory. If it gets dark, we are going to be at a disadvantage all he knew was God said he would be with me like he was with Moses. And I saw Moses in his first encounter have to speak to the water. God told Moses, you open the Red Sea. You speak and open that Red Sea. And so he said, son, stand still. And moon, don't you move either. Not realizing that orbit had to cease. And all things had to maintain with no orbit for the sun to stand still and the moon not to move. The earth stood still. God, preach, pastor. God hearkened to the voice of a man. Why? He said, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. How was he with Moses? He was with his mouth. God is with your mouth. God is with your mouth. He is with you with his word in your mouth. If you've got the word on it, God's on the project. If you've got the word on it, God's involved fully, completely. He's all in. He's all in. If, you're, if his word is in it, he's in it. If you've got his word, you've got God as a full, complete partner in the project. Hallelujah. As I was with Moses, he said to Moses, I will be with your mouth. And when he said, 
to the Pharaoh. We're not going to have any sunlight. Guess what happened? It was so dark they couldn't see their hand in front of their face. When he said to the Pharaoh that the frogs were coming, they came. Why? Because he was with his mouth. He told him, he said, I'll teach you what to say. Listen, that's the key. I'll teach you what to say. Don't go running around here saying things that I didn't. I'll teach you what to say. And when you say what I teach you, I'll be with your mouth. I'll be with the well-taught tongue. The well-taught tongue. God's with that. He's with us. Amen? Okay. Let's look at Jeremiah 1. One of my favorite examples. He also had some excuses as to why he couldn't do what God was telling him to do. Jeremiah 1. And let's look at verse 6. Then said I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I cannot speak. It is the word debar. It is a Hebrew word that means, it's, it's the verb form of this word. And it means um, to declare, to command, to arrange, to subdue. The root word of this means to set or arrange in order. To bring something into order. That's like framing our world. That's the same similar definition, isn't it? So he said, I cannot command. I cannot declare. I cannot arrange or subdue. See the weaponry there? I cannot. So there's an arranging that can take place with my words that sets things up. And then there's a subduing that dominates things with my words. He said, I cannot, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, don't debar that. Don't say that. Don't declare that. Don't command that. Don't set that in order. That's not not the way it should go. He said, do not say I am a child, for you shall go to all that I shall send you. And whatever I command you... You shall debar. You will speak it. You will command it. You will declare it. You will arrange it. You will subdue it. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Believer, you have God's word in your mouth in a way that goes even beyond Jeremiah. Jeremiah wasn't blood-bought. He wasn't washed in the blood. He wasn't a new believer. God's word, you are his garden. You are the earth that the seed of the word of God goes into your heart and produces 30, 60, and 100 fold in your life. The word of God is is seeding you with his victory. You are the garden of God. Your heart is the earth that the seed is going in. His word is in your mouth a tool to arrange In verse 10, God said, This day I I have set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. How is he going to do all those things? With words. With God's word in his mouth. We don't have to invent it. We don't have to come up with the ideas. We don't have to make it happen. We just have to speak what God said. We just have to become so well disciplined in our mouth that when we speak, we are in line with what he said. Hallelujah. Now, John 14, I'm winding us down. I promise I am. That's my second close and I get one more. John 14, I'm sorry, John 12, 49. John 12, because Jesus is our example Let's look and see his words here. John 12, 49. For I have not spoken of myself. Jesus, the master, 
the Word made flesh. Whose Word is He? Jesus, whose Word is He? Jesus is God's Word. Jesus is God's Word. He said, I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, He gave me a commandment. Circle that, underline that word commandment. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. The word commandment means an injunction, authoritative prescription. An authoritative prescription. So if, let's say for instance, the doctor was going to prescribe you some vitamin B12 and said, you need to, because y'all are so healthy, you know, vitamin B, you know, just some energy. You need some more D. Let's go with that one. Vitamin D. That's one that's not in our diet a lot. So they're always telling us, take more vitamin D. And they put it on the prescription. You need to take 5,000 IUs of vitamin D uh, every day, and they write this prescription out. This is, and it's authorized by the doctor. It's a prescription that says exactly how much you need to take, when to take it, whether you need to take it with food or not, right? That prescription. Well, Jesus was handed a prescription by the Father. This is what you are to say. And this is what you are to speak. Hallelujah. He said, he said, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. I, my tongue is a well-taught tongue. Hallelujah. The, the Father has given me a prescription, an injunction of what I should say and what I should speak. Hallelujah. Now, my third and final close, 1 Corinthians 13. No, 2, 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. And I'll, I'll begin with 12 while you're turning your page. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Those things that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard that he talked about in the previous part of the chapter. He reveals them to us so that we know the things that are freely given to us of God. Verse 13. These things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak. Things that we speak. Things that are freely given to us of God. Things that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard. What, how do we, what, what do we do with them? With, there's a voice authorization on these things. You are an heir of God. You're an heir of God. The promise that God promised to Abraham is yours. You are an heir of blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. How do I get that activated in manifestation in my life? Which things also we speak? Which things also we speak? Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but you could say words which the Holy Ghost teaches. Words which the Holy Ghost teaches. So, some years ago, Pastor, we were going through a difficult situation with one of our children, and... And pastor was praying, and the Lord said to pastor, this is what you need to say. That child is following the plan of God for her life. I'm still saying that child is following the plan of God for her life because that's what God told me to say. That's what God told us to say. Hallelujah. Pastor Caldwell and Sister Jeannie Caldwell were in a car accident. They were hit from behind by a Mack truck so hard that their seats came unloose from the, the bottom, broke the backs of the seats. Their watch, watches fell off their arms, shoes off their feet. They were, they were laying back in, in the car, 
and both of them were unconscious. And someone walked up and was knocking on the door, the window of the door. And the first words that Pastor Caldwell heard was a question. Are you all right? Are you going to be all right? Are you all right? Knocking on that door. And he was just trying to realize what had happened. He didn't know. He was coming conscious again, and the Holy Spirit said to him, you be cautious how you answer that question. And Pastor Caldwell said, we are going to be all right. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost will teach us what to say. He'll teach us what to say. And it's not something that just, just you can't get hands laid on you and suddenly have a well-taught tongue. You can't get in a prayer line, get some anointing oil, and have a well-taught tongue. This is going to take our becoming skilled with, with taking uh, uh, the things out of our mouth that don't belong in our mouth. Criticism doesn't belong in my mouth. I can't speak faith without love operating. So I've got to have my mouth governed by the Proverbs 31 says a law of kindness. If Lily gets cranky with me, I say, no, 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 honey. We have a law of kindness in our mouth. We don't answer each other that way. Law of kindness. Hallelujah. That's part of the well-taught tongue. It's more than just positive and negative. It's more than just saying something. Charles Capp said, saying it is involved in operating the system, but saying it's not the end all. There's the condition of the heart. There's the operation of love. There's the Holy Spirit teaching us the words, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Hallelujah. Pause. I'll unpause it tomorrow. Okay? I just paused it. Because I can't close it, but we'll close. Stand with me to your feet. Did you receive stand, tonight? Stand right there. Yes, right sir. There. No, I'm not preaching. I know what time it is. The Lord said something to me. He, he gave me a, a, like an ode, a poem, uh, when Pastor Michelle was beginning to minister. And he said this. He said, drink from the well of sorrow no more. Drink from the well of lack and insufficiency no more. Be refreshed at the well of joy and peace. Be refreshed at the well of abundance and more than enough. Refreshing times are here. Ooh, praise God. Refreshing times are here. No more drought and no more fear. Dig your ditches and your wells. The flood is coming, so be prepared. Praise God. But he said something. He said, I'm giving you something to say. When you hear recession time is here, you answer and say, no, refreshing time is here. Praise God. <laughs> so he told us, I don't expect to be affected. Yes. And it's not recession the time. Holy Spirit it's refreshing time. That. Amen. Praise God. Not recession time. It's refreshing time for me. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands and say, Father, I receive your instruction by your Spirit. Help me train my tongue to be a building tool and a weapon for your glory. In Jesus' name, praise God.